Hello and welcome to this Care Leaders Network conversation. My name is Simon Parker uh, and I am welcomed here today by Anthony Hall and with uh, with Paul Johnson's gentlemen. If uh, if you could give yourselves a, a quick introduction for the audience, that would be fantastic. Fine. Uh, thank you, Simon. Uh, and it's great to be here. My name is Anthony Hall and I'm the Director of Insights, Assurance and Governance uh, and the nominated individual at HC1. Great to see you. And Paul? Um, yep. Glad to be here. My, I'm Paul Johnson. I'm the CEO at Radar Healthcare, working alongside Anthony um, at HC1 and their implementation of Radar Healthcare. Brilliant. Good stuff. Gentlemen, really, really good to see you both today. So um, the all of this conversation came off the back of uh, a discussion that uh, Anthony start, and I started to have uh, a few weeks ago about some of the interesting projects they're doing around, funnily enough, data and insight. Um, and uh, we came up with the uh, the idea of uh, creating a piece of content to really talk about that um, and to, with the intention of answering the question, how can you use data to improve the lives of your residents? Now, Anthony obviously highlighted the fact that you've been working with Paul uh, on this project with uh, with Radar. As you mentioned, this is something that's been building up for, for quite a long time now. So it made sense for all of us to, to get our heads together and really look to unpack and answer that question to uh, uh, to explore together, as I say, how to how to use data to improve the lives of uh, a resident. So excited to be getting into the into the conversation. Anthony, I've got the, the kind of the, the the one of the things that we talked about initially is the fact that when you start with a technological transformation, uh, when it, when a team has to adopt a new piece of technology, you almost have to start with a with a cultural transformation as uh, as well. I know that that's something that we talked about in in reasonable detail when we when we had our initial uh, conversation. I guess just talk to me about that just for uh, just for a second, because you're, you're you're kind of in the thick of this at the moment. And I guess this probably isn't your first rodeo when it comes to tech rollout. So I, I think knowing how important that that cultural transformation piece is, I'd uh, I just like to get your perspective on that as a, as well as a as a starting point for our conversation. Sure, absolutely. And I think I think it's really important that when you're looking to change your information systems is to try and understand what it is you're trying to achieve. And so we're really clear about what we're trying to achieve at HC1 is to move away from a performance management culture to one that is fundamentally about learning and improving outcomes for residents. So you've really got to understand where you need to be. And then that sort of then starts to influence how you need to change a culture. Because fundamentally, if you want a system that is going to give you a rich set of information that helps you understand what's going on in your homes and how you're going to improve them and that quality improvement journey that is all based around learning and, and you know, and learning from anything that goes wrong or has the potential to go wrong. You need, first of all, people to report into it. Now, if you take for our example, we've got 320 homes, you know, 24,000 staff. It's really important that we empower people, but more importantly, give them the cultural backdrop that allows them to report things freely and in a transparent way, because otherwise we won't get that richness of information. And in order to do that, you have to examine your culture, because if your culture is based around performance management that then can have that inference around blame associated with it, you're not going to get that rich set of information. You're going to get a set of information that is either skewed in a certain direction or is not full in its entirety. What we need in order to promote that whole thing and to, to work around early warning systems and learning 
is to make sure that everybody feels able to report and record in the system, in this case, radar, everything we need. So we get that huge richness of information, which then allows us to truly understand where to focus our quality improvement initiatives and our learning initiatives. Paul, I can imagine that like you, you get almost like a macro view of this type of stuff, right? Because of the, all, all the different projects uh, uh, that you work in across both health and social care. I guess talk to me about that as uh, as well, because I guess you, uh, Anthony's got the looking from kind of within. You, you, you. I guess you get to do this in almost observer mode once when you're implementing a new a new system and things like that. So I guess I'd be interested to hear your perspective on that. Um, the the kind of the cultural change that that, that happens when people embed any new piece of technology. Yeah, sure. I mean, Anthony touched on there the, the importance of um, you're nothing without the initial data input. So from our perspective, um, I come on to kind of the, how we look at things holistically, but um, from a, we have to make the system, there's two elements to it. We have to align ourselves to the objectives and the outcomes. And, and we were fortunate in that from Anthony and uh, HC1's perspective, they were, had a very clear vision and what the outcome needed to be. And that, that, that's always beneficial. So and, we, and we're along that journey with them from a cultural change perspective. But we have to make sure that the system is accessible and easy to use for every individual because um, it's all of those data points are incredibly important. Whether that's somebody scanning a barcode, a QR code when they come into a home, to, to they want to provide some feedback. So it's collating information from, from friends, from family, from service users, patients, residents to staff, to the senior management. And then where, where we talk about being able to visualize and have that holistic oversight, to some degree, even though you, you, you kind of framed it as Anthony's looking it in from their perspective, actually it is a very holistic view when you look at those quite differing 320 homes, 24,000 staff, you know, that, that having that oversight is incredibly important. And then, and we see the benefits because we, we not only work with large organizations like HC1, but as you mentioned, working with NHS Trust, working with full healthcare systems, the importance of having that rich data set um, to be able to help you visualize. And for me, it's there's two elements. There's the cultural change that, that it brings about. And then it is the, 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 the demonstrable positive impact that you can start to feed back very quickly to those users. And that's what drives the cultural change. It's not just something that's being pushed to say, the management have brought this in and they want you to report this because they want this data. They start to see and feel there's a positive impact and change very quickly. And I think that's what drives the cultural element. I just come in on that, because I, I just to, to build on what Paul said there, and you're absolutely right. So if you take, say, for example, incident management and, you know, and if you get people to a point that they're, you know, through the accessibility of the system and the ability to report and also the cultural backdrop of, of a no blame culture where people can freely report in a spirit of learning. And then you really use the system to drive forward that learning and you, you change your policy, you mend your review your policy, you might train your learning offer and your learning development offer, you might put extra support in for colleagues, you might change the way you do something as a result. Then they see that demonstrable thing that Paul's just been talking about, they can see the impact that, that that reporting is having on the improvement for the resident and the outcome for the resident, as opposed to just reporting into a system that's used for performance management and KPI tracking, for example. 
and and closing that loop is so important and uh, so absolutely agree with paul great no thanks for uh, adding that extra extra layer of uh, of context so i guess so I don't. I, I, I always try and talk in the in the context of asking questions that 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 other providers might be might be asking themselves as they go into this conversation. So, like people people will will hear this and they'll 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 often hopefully like the the, the sound of kind of the direction of travel and, and and things like that. I guess what's the kind of the first step on the on the on the journey? So you can see the kind of the the opportunity, the advantage for both the residents and the team. <clears throat> Around the kind of cultural and te technological transformation, but where does it all where does it all start? Uh, and 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 kind of how do you begin that that process? Because I think what one of the things that I've uh, uh, become kind of increasingly aware of is the fact that like if you don't get the if you if you don't get the foundations right with these types of things, you, you're never going to end up with that that kind of ultimate uh outcome that kind of vision of uh, a kind of the aspiration for where you're looking to uh, try and be so i guess help us help me understand kind of the the the, the foundations of what you need to build first to, to get the get the wheels in motion if you like yeah so so what was really important to us in 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 you know the moment we started having conversations with radar about the, the system and the procurement of the system and the system capabilities and the opportunities that gave us is to start taking our colleagues in our homes on that journey and the company as a whole on that journey and nudging them in that direction to think slightly differently and to think in an holistic way that, that Paul was describing. So we've done two things that are really important to build that foundation. The first thing we've done is to introduce an early warning dashboard that brings together information across 12 different systems we currently have in HC1, HR, maintenance, clinical, uh, reporting systems, all in one place in a, in, a, in a live dashboard that prompts home managers and area operational leadership teams to say there are emerging risks in this home. It doesn't mean that they're right or wrong, but it gets you to think about it in terms of an holistic view about a home. And that's really important. And that's been a really important driver in our cultural shift about let's look at emerging early warnings as opposed to reactive data at the end of a month. So if we start to see patterns, let's understand why those patterns are emerging by looking at the information in the context. So one of the, the examples that I've talked to you about, Simon, which is really interesting for me, is that weight loss. So traditionally, in, 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 in social care organisations, you might look at the end of the month or midpoint of the month or whatever, uh, a set of information that says in this home, there's been 20 residents out of 100 residents. So 20% of your residents have lost more than two kilograms or six kilograms in weights, which are our metrics. And you might look at that and you say, right, OK, well, next month we need that to improve, etc. But actually, we need to understand why people are losing weight. What is the reason behind that? So the dashboard we build to, to enable people to start thinking that way brings in, well, actually, is it because we've got agency chefs as opposed to our own chefs? Is it because the training for our kitchen staff around fortified diets hasn't been put in place? Or is it something else? And actually, really interestingly, because we'd linked all of our information together, what we actually found was it was the environment that people were eating. Because if you think about fundamentally, 
eating is a, an experience. And, and for, you know, for many of the people living in our homes, it might be the, 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 one of the big things they look forward to each day. And actually what we linked it to using this data set was actually the homes where this was happening was where we were undergoing refurbishment programs and the dining rooms had been taken out of action or had been changed. So people were no longer eating in the environment they normally ate in. They weren't sat with people they normally sat with or they were eating in their rooms. And that was a really powerful thing. So what we were then able to do is, is start thinking, well, actually we've got another hundred refurbishments planned in the next year. <coughs> excuse me, let's really understand how we can support those residents and their relatives to understand that they might be eating in a different place. Let's talk about when they want to eat, where they want to eat and who they might want to sit with. <coughs> and then what we actually found was that people stopped in, the, in those situations, people's weight loss normalized. So, so it's really powerful piece of information. And that's, that's the work that we tried to do. And we've got similar examples around falls and linking that to infection rates, deployment of staff, agencies, et cetera, to really understand what's behind that. And so that, that was an important part of, of taking people on that journey. And then the other thing we did was introduce something called an organizational learning meeting into our homes. So we actually, our home managers were expected to do a number of meetings around quality, health and safety, uh, clinical risks, etc. And they, they, they were normally expected as part of our quality assurance processes to do three, four, five, six meetings a month about those individual topics. We actually scrapped that and we created a meeting called an organisational learning meeting where we use the outputs from our dashboard about early warnings. We provide information about what all external stakeholders are telling us, local authorities, clinical commissioning groups, ICBs, whatever, pharmacy audits, whatever. And we create what the learning is for that, that home and for us as a company. And we ask our home managers to discuss that with the team and assure themselves in their home that that's working effectively. And then key to that is then looking at the outputs from incident management, safeguarding, investigations, all the stuff that radar will help us with is to look at the outputs and the learnings from those and discuss that in their homes as a learning opportunity as opposed to a, a hard and fast looking at audits and, and KPI measures. So they're the two things that we've really built over the last year to provide the foundation for the richness of that learning data that will come out of radar. Paul, it must be brilliant to be able to hear like when the tech's being implemented to, to, to be able to be part of that of that cultural shift, to be able to, to, to have the, the provide the insight for people to have these really valuable, constructive conversations that helping people take the almost the way that they see their 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 organization and the way that they behave in their organization organization through like this this mindset that set shift i can imagine that's quite a, a cool thing to be able to know that you're doing kind of at scale um i mean with with he1 obviously at that scale because it's a massive organization but within the the other organizations that you work with as well yeah no no absolutely and uh, you know anthony touched on a really important point which is it's understanding what are the precursors to, you know, deterioration of condition. You know, some, some of the, the key elements were mentioned there, but, you know, around, you know, falls, pressure injuries, weight loss, you know, and, and there's so many contributing factors. And, and one of the things that 
technology, you, you have to have the, the foundation and the commitment from the organization. And then the, the technology is there is to underpin and deliver the, that oversight and help action some of those outcomes. Um, and then I, one thing I just wanted to touch on actually was um, when we're talking about this, so people often think that you can only do things on platform, i.e. you're reporting something within Radar Healthcare and therefore that is the only data that you're going to visualize. But the way that systems work and certainly our system is the interoperability and being able to bring data into the system, you can bring IoT data, so internet of things, now, I'm giving a talk, actually, Anthony and I, I think, are both speaking at the event, the, the care show tomorrow. But one of the things we're touching on is we have devices the size of postage stamps. And, and what do these do? They can do many things. But one of the things that it does pick up is, um, you know, monitoring um, environmental conditions that might contribute to increased hydration levels. And if you don't get that right, then you can have an increase in falls. These are all things that link together. They are intrinsically linked and if you can start to visualize and understand the impact of these things as they increase, as, as they start to be triggered within the system, then it starts to automate the interventions. You mentioned that, you know, it must be cool to see these things. I actually fiercely proud of seeing um, organizations go from, you know, in, in some cases, and it wasn't with HE1, but uh, another organization, we took an organization from inadequate to good in three months. Now, that was a lot of commitment from the organization, but it always, what resonates with me is this, it's, that's fantastic and it's an amazing story and, and well done them and, you know, and actually they've now been rated as outstanding following an unannounced inspection. But I, I, I come back to this, the experience for those residents and service users and patients at that location before they made that transformation, that, you know, that wouldn't have been a great experience. Now for every single person that goes through that, that care home is going to have an improved experience. So all of these things that we're doing here, and I know that we're with HC1, having that commitment was, this is all about improving the outcomes for our service users, residents and patients. So all these things are designed to, you know, to deliver that outcome. So yeah, that, that, that's a cool thing. And you know, and I think, you know, Paul's hit the nail on the head there because it, it, all we're trying to do here is if you just want to uh, get a bit of tech to help you govern your organisation better, you, you know, you, there's dozens of those pieces of tech you can go and effectively buy yourself an electronic filing cabinet. That, that's fine. You can go and do that. If you're trying to achieve something very, very different, you have to look a lot deeper than that. So Paul talked about falls there and, and the use of technology around falls. But, but even... You know, we can all count how many falls we have in a home. So we're, you know, we're always going to have people that fall, unfortunately, in our home. And and we can count how many people, and we can broadly say whereabouts in the home they were, and at what time band it was, and what level of harm they might have suffered. You know, high, medium, or low, whatever. What we need to do is work with people such as Radar to understand why people fell and 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 stop them falling again. That's the true measure here, and that's the resident outcome. Now, if that means that we link to a bit of tech that we, you know, with smart water bottles, so we know how many people are, how much people are drinking each day, which, you know, if they're dehydrated, might lead them to the fall. If it means that we link to a set of data around, you know, tissue viability or, or missed medication, for example, which might lead to a fall, that's how we need to work it. And, uh, but you need the technological platform to enable you to do that and bring all those bits together 
so that you ultimately stop John Smith, who fell last night in room 13, falling in room 13 tomorrow night. And, and that's the key element. Uh, and so Paul's absolutely right. And this comes, the, the, the heart of this is the part of the reason why we uh, named the, the, the podcast, the conversation uh, that we have done, how data can be used to improve the, the lives of a, a resident. You know, it's, I think it's, it's, um, it's easy to say it's not difficult. It's easy to say it's difficult to do. There's a lot that sits behind making that even a possibility, uh, which talks to the radar healthcare text act, the, the, the way that it works, the, the way that it gives you that level of insight that you can ask the questions why and then do something about it. You know, the, the data is only as good as um, uh, the, the way that it's put into the system. And ultimately, the output of that helps your team make better decisions when it comes to supporting the the, the richness of the the lives of the people that you're that you're caring for at the end of the day so yeah it's a uh, it's a it's a it's a it's a brilliant place to be able to to be and i guess it's an it's an ongoing evolution as well because i guess the 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 radar technology that's no doubt ever evolving i don't know specifically about kind of what new products and features and things but that's not going to be a static thing that's something that you will continue to develop and in partnership with the the care providers that you're working with you're you're taking them through that journey of what can be achieved over 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 the uh, over the future as well which is it's got to be really really exciting to be able to kind of look into we'll, we'll come on to kind of what, what what's coming on into the future but it's uh it's an exciting proposition to know that this is kind of this is where we are today tomorrow there's going to be a whole load of extra things that can be done through the power of the data and the technology and things to uh to, to be able to coming back to that point again uh improve the lives of the of the residents and I think, Simon, one of the most, one of the really exciting bits, as we've been starting to do the build of the of the various modules in radar, and I've been quite actively involved in all of that, and it's been really exciting because the re the really interesting bit is at the end of the form design is there's a section about the learning outcome, mm -hmm. and I've never seen that in a system before. And what we're really excited about is working with radar about how that we then get that through the rest of the organization because that's the important bit for us we can all record incidents we can all do investigations and rcas we can load that onto a system we can create an action plan we can do a body map all that kind of stuff which is really important and radar does that so much better than our current systems but fundamentally it's the learning outcome that's the really important bit because in an organization like ours, because of the, the size and the geography across the, the, the you know, England, Scotland and Wales, we might do really good pieces of learning at a local level, but we've really got to make sure that we learn from an incident that happens in Bristol and we learn from it on the Isle of Skye, you know, and, and, and that's what we've got to do. And that's the really exciting bit of a tech piece like Radar for us. I think just, just picking up on, um, on both points there really is, you're absolutely right. And, and in actual fact, um, I would say 90% of our roadmap and innovation is driven by our partners um, because, and, and, you know, they get to vote on these things as well as our partners. So as a collective, they say, this is the most important thing that we would like to be realized from the system. I think from a technology perspective and specifically data, things are starting to become normalized. And what I mean by that is when you look at um, AI and machine learning, artificial intelligence and machine learning it's kind of been a scary phrase historically and it and it's only for you know nasa and you know the, you know astrophysicists and things like that but actually it, it it's very simple in the way that that it, it can be pushed onto data so for when we're collecting data from a healthcare perspective 
and then you start to overlay it onto HC1's data set. What it's actually doing is just doing the hard yards where people just don't have the, the, the capacity, you know, the capability to be able to process lots of data points to analyze and understand where do we need to look. And then being able to simple things like something we call pulse, which is being able to say to the system, you can talk to Radar Healthcare and say, I would like you to monitor this for me. I want you to monitor medication errors for me. And so now it's looking for deviation. And so when we say deviation, that's positive and negative. So again, something we quickly aligned ourselves with HC1 was it's excellence reporting as well as, as you know, where do we have deviation and we, where we need to focus and address, but it's where do we see excellence and how do we replicate that within HC1? Then using the data, that AI machine learning to do the hard yards, to visualize that so they can start to see, ah, here are our best performing areas. Let's do move it to lessons learned and outcomes. How do we replicate that? And again, it's constantly evolving to drive excellence across the organization. One of the things that uh, my team and I are really, really big on is breaking down silos. That's part of the reason why we set up the Care Leaders Network as a community, because we wanted people to be able to have open conversations in a, in a forum where they could speak freely and be kind of in a, in a safe space to have uh, discussions about just what's going on in the sector and that applies to everything to to, to running a running a care service so I guess your your point there around being able to to collect all of that data what you, you you're breaking down knowledge silos you know you're making that uh the the, the insights and everything that you're able to accumulate from diff the different parts of social care and healthcare that you're working with if you can build that into um helping people run their care services better so that they can look after the people they're caring for better that's a that's an incredible place to uh uh to uh to, to be so i'll um yeah I, I think we'll probably round off with a discussion around what's around the, for the future for for both for, for anthony and for, for you paul as uh as well it'd be great to uh to, to talk about that in just a little while but the next thing that i wanted to pick up with with uh with, with you anthony um, and uh, we had a bit of a chuckle about this, but I, you mentioned about uh, the, the fact that you removed the, the C word from the uh, from the team's uh, vocabulary. Talk to me a little bit about that, because it made me made me chuckle when we had our conversation about it the other day. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think, you know, one of my reflections um, uh, from a few years ago was that we had an organization that was uh, talked about compliance all the time. And all the reporting, all the conversations were all about compliance figures and breaches of regulation. And um, and everything we talked about was compliance. And, you know, and, and I remember very distinctly somebody saying to me, have you ever heard anybody talk about quality? And I said, absolutely not. So let's just remove the C word. So worked really hard with our chief exec to say, right, we're not going to talk about compliance anymore. We're actually... Because compliance to me, and, and it might sound odd as a person who worked for a regulator for 12 years, but compliance to me is a fundamental standard. It's just what you need to do. And, and it's just what you should be doing 24 seven. And, um, and it doesn't necessarily drive quality. And I have a very clear view that if you focus on just a compliance mentality, you don't actually drive improved outcomes for people. You just satisfy in England, for example, that you, you meet the, 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 the uh, Health and Social Care Act regulations, for example. It's a fundamental standard. And, and you know, the regulations used to be called fundamental standards. And that's the same for health and safety, for care, et cetera, et cetera. So what we actually decided to do was remove the compliance word from all of our reporting, all our narrative, our reporting to the board, 
our, our reporting to the executive, our internal way of managing uh, uh, homes and reporting in homes. We, we just don't use that word at all. To the point now that you, you hear people come from other organizations start talking about compliance. And the first thing somebody says to them is, we don't talk about compliance at HC1, we talk about quality. And, and that's a real significant shift because if you then start talking about quality, you can do all this stuff. You can start talking about improved outcomes and how you create organizational learning cultures, early warning systems, all the work that we're doing with radar is all about quality quality improvement and better outcomes for residents. If you just stick in that compliance mode, you will not get to that discussion, you know. And so, so that's what we do. And we call it, you know, uh, so you quite often people in, in HC1 will hear, we don't talk about the Z word and, uh, and, and, and that's very much, but it's actually, when we talked about the cultural shift at the, the top of uh, our session this, uh, this afternoon, that's part of that it's moving people to a different space. If you talk about quality and quality improvement, it's a whole different set of conversations. And people start using data to drive and information to drive quality improvement, as opposed to just driving a, a, a compliance with a fundamental standard, which is important, obviously it is. But you can drive compliance through addressing quality. I, you know, I don't believe you can drive quality by looking, just solely looking at compliance. See, the thing that I always think about with the kind of the quality versus compliance conversation is it's almost like the difference between a fixed mindset and a growth mindset, because one is um, finite. Compliance is just a standard. Uh, again, it's a, it's a standard regulatory kind of target that you look to achieve, whereas quality is endless. You know, like it's 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 completely endless. Like you can just keep on keep on going, and that, that was kind of my point around the 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 intersection between yours and Paul's worlds as the the evolution of your care evolves in partnership with the uh, with the technology. That like there's no like higher standard for that. It just it just keeps on keeps on evolving. Which from an energetic perspective for a, for a team who's aspirational and that's quality driven. It's brilliant because you you, you you can just keep on keep on going with it. There's, there's no kind of ceiling. There's no cap. There's no there's no there's no end to it. Which uh, it, it's it, it's inspiring because you can you, the, the the opportunities are just completely endless for where you can where you can take it and how you can build that around the the people that you're looking after. I think I think also in, invariably, and we we see it quite often is if you do approach it from a quality perspective and a qualitative element invariably you end up ticking the compliance boxes anyway so so you end up 80 90 percent of the way there from a compliance perspective by focusing on quality i, I responded to uh, I, I know we, we put something out on linkedin and i saw your message saying that you're going to speak into to auntie and i today and um and I'd, i think i'd put um compliance equals quality i think i should have just put that the other way around actually shouldn't i, I just said look quality equals compliance mm. I mean, the reality is, Simon, that if you if you just want to, you know, in terms of the tech conversation, if you just want to focus on compliance, you can go out there and there's a plethora of systems that will, will enable you to capture compliance, you know. But actually, if you want to really look at how you use quality, the quality agenda, and how you use everything around incidents, safeguarding, complaints, what regulators are saying to you etc if you want to get the insight into that to drive quality 
then you need to look elsewhere. You need to look at something like radar to do that because, and that's that helps you shape where you want to go in, in terms of the tech that you use because, you know, uh, yeah, as I say, that you can, you can easily buy a compliance system, but actually if you really want to understand what all that stuff's telling you, you need something else. To, and, then, and only then can you start to drive quality forward. Makes, makes a lot of sense. Um, I guess coming back in on, on some of the, the other stuff that we were talking about earlier around the, the kind of the cultural transformation side of side of things. So I guess once you've started to uh, set the, the, the wheels in motion culturally, what uh, are the most important considerations from a technology and from a, from a data perspective? So from, from our point of view, you know, it's important, right? So we focused on what the output is. So, so in all of our, uh, work that we've been doing with Paul's team around the, the configuration and the build of the system. We've started at the end point. What is it that we need out of the system? And, and also, what do we need to change inside HC1 to get the best out of radar? So what we've not done is to say that, right, we want radar to fit around what we do. We've said we want to get the very best out of this, which is fundamentally about making sure that our residents are receiving the best and safest care they can, but also we're continually learning to drive that improvement forwards. Then what is it we need to do and what is it we need to change to get the very best out of radar? And that's been, you know, that's been a really helpful way of looking at it because, and the way that we've positioned that cultural journey, as I've described around early warnings and organizational learning, the company's in a position where we're, we're happy to make those changes because we understand where we're going and our and we're, whole thing is around organizational learning. And so as a company, we all understand that at all levels throughout the company. So therefore we optimize radar to get the very best out of that. And, and that's the way that we approach that sort of tech uh, implementation way. I think, yeah. I think from my, advice if you like and and the learnings that, that that we've found is if people come into it with an open mind because quite often and you know when we're working with nhs trusts whether working with hc1s um whoever we're working with it is to some element it's you don't know what you don't know when you come into this from a technology perspective and so if you and quite often we start working with an organization where they'll assume that we're going to underpin their existing process. And there's nothing wrong with that. We should have the capability and adaptability to be able to do that. But as they start to see the capability, the automation, the, the benefits that you can derive from the technology platform, then it can start to challenge your actual processes. And so Anthony is absolutely 100% right. What we always advocate is what, what is the objective and the outcomes that you want to realize and achieve from this project? And we always prefer to start from there because then we can challenge. And I think that's the key phrase. There's a challenge culturally because then invariably you're going to go back to your organization and say, even though we've done this this way for quite a long time and people might perceive that that works well, but actually there's a change coming. And, and so long as you can communicate why, and what the benefit and outcome is going to be, then it is about challenging the way that you currently do things as well as there will also be best practice. And you should absolutely cement that and again make sure the technology is adaptable to underpin that as well so it is start from what you want to achieve work back from there 
and be open and challenge and challenge us as well. You know, it's a two-way thing that we 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 look to do in our partnerships. It's interesting that you use the word partnerships at the end of that at the end of that sentence. I think one of the things that's really really clear from <clears throat> excuse me from our conversation today is the fact that the, that you take the partnership element of this really really seriously uh it, it seems like like you mentioned earlier you referenced the fact that 90 percent of the product roadmap is derived from conversations with your with your partners having those being being part of those conversations and being able to to, to evolve together it, it i know from uh, the not like we're a massive organization we've got loads of technology but the tech partners that we've worked with that we've worked most closely with we we get the best out of them and it's just it, it, we understand them they understand us we get the best outcome of the of the technology and everyone's happy as a as a result of it and i guess that's that that, that that's going to be true in all all, all sets of uh, sets of circumstances so that 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 partnership thing i guess is um probably um Maybe not as common common as it should be from uh, from from a tech and from a care perspective, but it seems that the uh, for for you guys particularly, it seems of extreme importance. Well, I'll tell you what, Simon. Why why this is apart from just making sure we get the very best out of the system that we've procured, and 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 and, and making sure that we use it optimally to reach our objectives. That that's one element. But if you take something uh, say for example radar healthcare we need to look at the the environments it currently works in so what we've been really clear about is trying to understand how other organizations use radar to the best effect because social care is not going to be in isolation we are you know we're part of a system and more and more we're going to be part of an integrated system and it's really important that we understand how our partners work and and, and the expectations of our partners now if we're working in you know uh, if we're working in partnership with radar we have the opportunity to learn the best of the best from across nhs trust private hospitals you know other environments where it enables us to make sure to paul's point about being open about what we need to do better so we're in the best possible place to work with an integrated system for the benefit of our residents and you know and that's one of the other hugely powerful things of working in partnership with a company like radar I guess yeah, that's no, yeah. sorry no Paul go for it yeah no it absolutely is it's a genuine commitment to partnership it's you know from project managers become friends they end up socializing with these with our partners they just do because they become so involved and passionate about their, their cause and our customer success managers even after a project managers kind of delivered and implemented for the lifetime of all of our partners our customer success managers and it it's a great title. If ever there was a, a you know a correct title for a role, that's what it is because they are just solely there to ensure that the objectives um, that our partners want to achieve, they are successful in doing so. And so they will, and, and they're the ones that bring back the data and information. And when you're voting on something from a partner perspective or customer, but we, we prefer partners is exactly as Anthony just said there, somebody has proposed you know, for us to develop or enhance or, you know, develop a feature because that it will solve this problem. And then for others to look at that and say, oh, actually, that is something that's very innovative that would bring benefits to us. We will vote on that as well. You start to have that, sh you know, that shared thought across all of our partners it helps us immensely because we can continue to innovate and every everybody's a winner. So, yeah, it's a great outcome. 
I want to talk about the future. We kind of touched upon it a, a couple of a uh, couple of times, but my uh, my understanding is that you've got some quite exciting things happening from a. Uh, I think Anthony referred to it as crystal ball technology, this predictive modeling side of uh, side of things. Now, that's it. It's um, uh, um, that sits so consistently with what we've been we've been talking about this about this whole evolution and how the partnership kind of works to uh, together. Well, I'm really, really interested to hear from you kind of what that, uh, to the extent that you're able to share that, of course, because I'm sure some of it will be top secret. But um, but yeah, talk to me about exactly what that what that looks like. And then I guess, Anthony, it'd be interested to hear from you as well. Like, what does that look like for, for you from a from, from a provider perspective? Yeah, sure. Um, I think for me that there's several elements that there's some features and there will always be innovation that we want to bring about. But for me, the key things are you mentioned there, Anthony, about integrated care systems and, you know, and as we transition into them. There's, in the way that we want to really focus on things is if you think about the IoT, Internet of Things, there's so many devices, equipment, monitoring, patient wearables. There's lots of equipment and technology out there that we can bring into radar. There are other systems and we work closely with um, it, You know, we integrate with patient records. We, we do IHI triggers with CERN, a patient record system, with care management systems, all of these things to bring data in. And then when you start to push machine learning and AI in a very effective way, you can start to visualize and automate the response and interventions continuously driving. I think this is going to be incredibly important when it comes around to integrated care systems. The crystal ball technology, it's already here um, and it's been refined and, and working with HC1, it will be, incre be incredible to see the outcome of that. And, and it genuinely is that, it, it's that insights, the, again, it's, it's artificial intelligence and, and a little bit of machine learning, but really it is understanding, we mentioned it before about those precursors, but start to bring some automation into that process of understanding what's about to happen with a high degree of confidence level. I think we're up to something like 80% confidence level of prediction against event types. And, and so that it's that technology that we want to bring to bear. And then I'm on a personal crusade of health inequality, which we can play a part in because we can't continue to have these scenarios of the, the number 83 bus in Sheffield or wherever major city you are, where you've got a 10 year life expectancy deficit. Now, we in social care and healthcare can collectively play a part in that. And that's where we're focusing some of our innovation roadmap because we believe that some of the outcomes we're working with great organizations like HC1 is some of those things we can bring to bear into the community to start to address some of those inequalities. That's a that's a powerful wider purpose for you to have as a as an organisation, yeah, <laughs> you know, to be able to play a part in that uh, that that really really significant shift. I think is uh, uh, amazing and no doubt uh, extremely fulfilling. So so Anthony, yeah, interested to hear your uh, your perspective on that and the how you see that playing out for for you and the team. Yeah, so I mean, well, two things really. So to Paul's point about you know the crystal ball stuff and and you know and and being trying to work out what's going to happen to to you know to residents or groups of residents in certain categories in the future is really it, it really chimes with our whole early warning culture shift that we talked about earlier and that's why we built one of those foundations is to try and say well look this is an emerging risk and and but the output of this in the future is this 
And that crystal ball technology will really help us with that. And we're really quite excited to see how we can work with that and develop that because, again, it takes us from that repository of information into really using it to define what our quality improvement initiatives need to be and what our learning development offer needs to be, our policy revision needs to be, all that kind of stuff. It helps us then support our homes to, to, to produce better care. So it, it underpins the whole quality improvement agenda. But then Paul's point about integrated care and, and health inequalities, all of us in the system play a part in, in ensuring that that people within a system receive seamless care from, from however they progress through a system. We all know that that is fairly disjointed at the moment, depending on where you live. And then to Paul's point about inequalities, we all we know, you know, I live in a town here in a minute for exactly to Paul's point, that the life expectancy where I currently live is very, very different to three miles down the road. And that cannot be right. And we all play a part about in, in ensuring that we use the information we have, not only to drive outcomes for people, but to, to make sure those integrated systems in all the different localities work to the optimum. And, and if we don't all engage around that information, we will not all make those things work. And so complete, and that's why it's important to partner with somebody like Radar that are also committed to that so that we can all work in partnership with those. Because if you look at HC1, the vast majority of our, of our residents are funded residents from local authorities. So they're gonna be in that integrated care system. And, and, and it's really important to us that we work really well with that, whether that's shared record management, that's the way we report incidents, that's the way we, we, we work with safeguarding or we manage medication or we manage discharge from hospitals or we work with primary care. All of that needs to be built around system providers who can enable us to do that effectively, because we're not going to do it on our own and we need the technology to help us do that. So, so that's a really exciting uh, set of opportunities by working in partnership with people like Radar. What a great way to round things off for the uh, for the conversation. Gentlemen, uh, it's been an absolute pleasure to speak to you both. Uh, I've thoroughly enjoyed it. I think we've uh, we've shared an awful lot of useful insight for the for the members of the Care Leaders Network today. So uh, I know that you've both got journeys to uh, now to uh, to go and head over to the uh, to the care show. So I hope you have a, a fantastic event and hopefully we can we can re reconvene soon and uh, talk about these things in a bit more detail as they uh, as they evolve. But thank you so much for your time today, gentlemen. It's uh, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you, Sam. Yeah, pleasure. Thank you, Sam.